uh, are referring to the Old Testament, to the law, to the prophets. And we've seen that in every, every book of the Bible. You know, this is our 12th book uh, that we've gone through in the Old Testament. And we're just scratching the surface. You know, my goal in this study is that you, uh, as you read in your personal study or, you know, future studies, when, when Pastor Bear is teaching or what have you, um, that, that you'll be more aware of the fact that the Old Testament is literally all pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of this study. And some, you know, as we've seen, are more obvious than others. Um, some are just right there. And then others, you, you kind of have to think about it. Um, and today's study is a little bit like that. Uh, but once you see this, you know, you can't unsee it. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, you would have to be willingly uh, ignorant to, to not see these, these, these pictures of Jesus. Um, Romans 11, chapter 33 talks about the, I mean, verse 33 talks about the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And there's definitely some depth to these, uh, these types of Jesus in the Old Testament, um, some more than others. And there's, there's, there's some meat, you know, you know, Paul talks about milk and meat. Um, there's definitely some meat um, to this study, and, and meat will help you grow, and, and uh, we all need that. And so, so today, we're going to be looking at um, Elijah and Elisha in the uh, book of 2 Kings. Um, and, 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 you know, you've studied this before. Pastor Barry's talked on this many times. But, you know, a lot of times we're just looking at the application, you know, how this applies to our lives, which is great. That's a good thing. But if you're not careful, you'll miss what, what lies beneath, you know, what, what all this is pointing to or who it's pointing to, which is Jesus. So, um, so we'll start with Elijah because he comes first. Um, Elijah comes first, and then, of course, Elisha takes over. And that ought to kind of give you a hint where we're going with this. Um, you know, Elijah was the forerunner of Elisha. Okay, you see, you see where we're going. You will, you'll get it. Um, so go to the very end of of uh, the Old Testament, Book of Malachi, chapter four. Malachi chapter four. <clears throat> and look at verse five. Malachi chapter four and verse. In verse 5, and it says here, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you Elijah. Okay, now we're going to see who this is speaking of. Okay, so keep going to your right to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, look at verse uh, 13. And Jesus says here, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will hear it, this is Elias, which, which was for to come. Okay, so Elias is Elijah. It's just, this is how it's spelled in the Greek. And he says um, here that, it, it, that, it's, that it's John the Baptist, okay? Um, hang on a second. Yeah. Back up to verse 11. It says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, uh, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he, is, he that is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Okay, so he's speaking of John the Baptist here. And I, you know, keep going over to Matthew chapter 17, a few chapters over. Matthew chapter 17, look at verse 10. 
says, and his disciples asked him, saying, why then, why, why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And that's what we just read in Malachi. Um, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come, come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him uh, whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Okay? So when he spoke of John the Baptist, he spoke of Elijah. <clears throat> okay? um, and, you know, it's interesting to, to point out, this is kind of a side note here, that, that our Bible, you know, our Old Testament, like we just saw, it ends, it ends with the book of Malachi. Okay, remember that verse we just read about, about Elijah? Um, that's how our, our Bible ends. Um, and then it's, and, and of course, that, that points to John the Baptist and that points to Jesus. Then as soon as you get into Matthew chapter 3, you know, John the Baptist shows up, right? Um, in the Jewish Bible, however, they, you know, they have, they're like the last book, the way they order their Bible in the Jewish Bible, you know, they have Chronicles as the very last book of the Bible, Okay. So their Bible ends with the, with the rebuilding of the temple, okay? And so you just think about that, you know, instead of, instead of the emphasis being on the arrival of John the Baptist and then Jesus, um, their emphasis is, is on going back to the land and, uh, and building the temple. And that's, what, and that's exactly what they're doing today. That's what they're, they're pointing towards today. Um, and that's why Jesus said, search the scripture for in them you think you have eternal life. Their emphasis, the Jews today who are in blindness, their emphasis is on building the temple and the law when it should be on Jesus Christ, you're looking for their Savior. So that's just, that's just a side note. Um, but again, we see Elijah as John the Baptist. Okay, that's what Jesus said. That, that's who Elijah pictures in the Old Testament, straight from Jesus' words. You know, we had, to, we had to dig a little bit to find that, but it's there. Um, uh, you're still there in Matthew. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 17. And it says, and he shall go before him, this is speaking of John, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the, to the fathers, to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay? So when he's, again, when he speaks of Elijah, he speaks of John the Baptist. Okay? And that's who Elijah pictures in the Old Testament. So naturally, the one who comes after Elijah, right, pictures whom? Elisha will picture Jesus. Okay? Um, um, so go to uh, go, go back to Second Kings, chapter one. You'll see you'll see all this come together here in a minute. Elijah is John the Baptist. Elisha is Jesus. Okay, Second Kings, chapter one. Second <clears throat> Kings one and verse seven. It says, and he said unto them, what manner of man was he which came up to meet you uh, and told you these words? Okay. And this, was, this is a description of what Elijah looked like. Okay. Um, verse 8. Uh, and they answered him, he was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Okay. So uh, you have a hairy man with a, with a leather belt. Right. Get this, get this in your mind. Okay. Now. That's what Elijah looked like at the time, right? Okay, now, fast forward, go to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to show you who, the, who this, is, this is referring to, or who this pictures. A hairy man with a leather belt. Matthew 3, look at verse 4. 
said, In the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. So they were both rough, hairy men, right? Uh, now John, you know, he wasn't hairy naturally, so he, but he wore a hairy camel coat, okay, which, been a, which would have been a strange-looking thing. But they were both rough, hairy men, and they were both they were pointing to Jesus, okay? You, you know, it can't be a coincidence, okay? Uh, now go back to John, uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 2, looking at these pictures of Jesus. 2 Kings chapter 2. <clears throat> Look at verse 9, 2 Kings 2, verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, um, it shall not be so. So Elisha, Elisha gets a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. Okay, In other words, Elisha basically become superior to Elijah, okay? And you, you'll, see, you'll see as we read that Elisha, Elisha, I'm trying to pronounce these so you don't get on confused, uh, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah, okay? You, and you may say, well, so what? Okay, well, go to John chapter 3. Keep you a, keep you a marker here because we're going to be flipping back and forth like we always do. Uh, John chapter 3, okay? So Elisha got a double portion, okay? John chapter 3. Who, what, who is that referring to? Who is that pointing to when we get over to the New Testament? John chapter 3. Okay. And this is where John said this to, about Jesus. Okay. John 3 verse, uh, verse 34. Hang on a second. Sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Uh, here we go. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Uh, verse 34, sorry. Uh, for he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Um, the Father loveth the Son, and have given all things into his hand. So John said that, that God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. Okay. He, he, in other words, he had an unlimited amount. Right. Um, John said in verse 30, uh, back, if you back up, it said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Okay, so Jesus was above John, okay? And this was all pictured in the Old Testament by Elijah and Elisha, right? You see, you see the parallel there? Um, Elisha got a double portion, um, and Jesus got an unlimited, an unlimited portion. So, pretty cool, huh? I mean, you can't, again, you can't, you can't make this up. It's a perfect picture of Elisha and Eli Elijah and Elisha. And, and, and John the Baptist and Jesus, okay? Another thing we see in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, if you'll turn back there, that pictures Elisha as Jesus. 2 Kings 2, look at verse 23. <clears throat> it says, And he went up from thence uh, unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the, the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him. And said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. This has always been a really strange verse to me. But it makes a whole lot of sense when you, when you study these types. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Okay. Again, this is a really strange passage that you, know, you don't really think about. Uh, or you kind of scratch your head when you read it. 
but when you realize who this points to, it makes perfect sense, okay? They're, so they're mocking Elisha, these little children, right? 42 of them, which points to how Jesus is going to be mocked and rejected when he, when he shows up, okay? And the, and the, the bear, um, the, the bear, it says it tears them, okay, which sounds really cruel, you know, and it would be if you were one of those children, right? But it's a picture of what's going to happen to all those who mock and reject Christ. Um, he's going he's gonna, to, when he comes back in his second coming, he's going to pour out his wrath, okay, on what the Bible calls the children of disobedience, okay? Um, now it makes more sense, doesn't it, when you think about it prophetically. Um, Elisha pictures Christ, okay? Um, and I'll show you something else. It even goes deeper. If you think about, you know, if you think this is just a coincidence, uh, notice the detail in verse 24. It's, it, it's, it's she bears, you know, it's not male bears, it's she bears, right? Female ones that attacks these children, okay? Um, and again, there's no coincidences in the Bible. Go to, go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and this is after they, they, you know, they've mocked Jesus the same way those children mocked Elisha, right? Okay, and he's about to be crucified. It says in Luke chapter 23, look at verse 27, okay? It says, And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, okay? For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wounds that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck, then, then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on, us, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. So think about that. They mocked Elisha, right? He, he curses them, and then these two she-bears came, and, and they tore these, these 42 children to pieces, okay? And then Jesus comes along. Now, Jesus comes along later, and he's mocked, and these women, like the she-bears, right? The women are weeping. And he says, don't weep for me. He says, weep for yourselves and your children, right? Um, he says, those who, you know, basically he's saying that those who don't believe in me, who reject me, um, they would be better off if they were never born, okay? Just like those children, right, and, and that we just read in Second Kings, who were torn to pieces by those she-bears, right? So it's a picture of God, at it, you know, if God's wrath at his second coming, um, and, that, and, you know, that's about as detailed as you can get in an in a, in a Old Testament foreshadow, Okay. Not only that, but it, you know, it even gets deeper, even more detailed. How, how many children did those bears tear to pieces? 42, right? 42. You know, even all your numbers mean something in the Bible. Um, go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. I mean, why would it just happen to be 42 children? That's, that's a strange number to, to just, just come up with. It was 42. Daniel chapter 7. And look at verse uh, 25. This is all prophetic. Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 25. Um, it says, And the ten horns out of, the, uh, out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. Uh, and here it is. And he shall speak uh, great words against the Most High, speaking of the Antichrist, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And here it is right here. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. So that's three and a half years, right? Or what, 42 months, 
just like there were 42 children that those bears tore to pieces. Um, it's, it's, it's speaking of that time that the saints are going to be given over to the hand of the beast, and he's going he's to torment the saints, right? Just like that she-bear tormented those 42 children, okay? And again, there's two periods of tribulation that last for 42 months or three and a half years before the Lord returns. So there's no way that it just happened to be 42 children, right? Um, you know, we, we, we always associate that number with those two periods of, of tribulation at, at, the, at the end times, okay? So that's, a, that's a just really cool. You can get really deep into that. But the next picture of Jesus, um, as he you know, points to a, uh, of Jesus with Elisha, this, this is another one. You just can't miss it. Um, but this one, we're going to have to back up a little bit to 1 Kings. I know we're supposed to be in just 2 Kings today, but I want to go back and pick this one up. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is um, after Elijah had been on the, on the run from, uh, from Jezebel. Uh, Elijah, Elijah finds Elisha here. This is where he, where, he, where he first meets up with him. 1 Kings chapter 19, look at verse, uh, verse 19. It says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and, and cast his mantle upon him. Okay, So Elisha is plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. Right? What does that have to do with Jesus? Well, plowing in the Bible is a picture of preaching. Okay, you know you have the parable of the sower. You know in Matthew chapter thirteen, for example, um, where the, the sower is sowing seeds and, and on the different types of soil, um, and the one that you know the one that did the best, the, the one that brought forth fruit was one. You know, it was called good ground. It, it it was ground that had been plowed right and 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 laid open. Okay, God's word can only uh, be fruitful, really fruitful, on open ground. And, you know, on an open heart and a heart that's been prepared. So that, you know, plowing is a picture of preaching. And then you have the oxen, okay? Um, oxen represent preachers in the Bible. You know, in First Timothy chapter 5, Paul says, let the elders uh, that rule be counted worthy of a double portion. And he, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 25, and he said, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn, okay? And that refers to preachers, okay? So Elisha here, he's plowing here with 12 oxen. Well, Jesus plowed with what? Twelve disciples. You see the picture there? Okay. Again, always notice you know, the, the, the numbers that are mentioned in the Bible. The numbers tell a story too. Um, but it's easy to see Elisha here. You know, Elisha shows up with, with Elisha, and it pictures Jesus here in, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, pretty cool. So now, now go back to 2 Kings. Go, go forward to 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll see another one here. 2 Kings chapter 4, in the sense that both Elisha and Jesus raised people from the dead. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 4, look at verse, uh, let's see, 32. 2 Kings 4, verse 32. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes uh, and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the, the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called, called Gehazi and said, called this Shunammite. 
So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Okay? And, of course, raising the dead is something that Jesus did that we read about in, you know, in all the Gospels, you know, Lazarus and, and many others that he raised from the dead. So we see a picture of Elisha with miracles like raising the dead, okay? But that's, that's not the only one. The next one, it should be very obvious, okay? Um, look at, um, skip down to verse 40, let's see, 42. Verse 42. It said, And there came a man from, from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor, his servitor said, What shall I set before a hundred men? Um, I'm sorry, what, what should I set this before a hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. Okay, so it says that they ate and left thereof. Okay, in other words, they, they ate so much they couldn't eat it all. They left, they left some behind. Okay, now... We know this story in the New Testament, don't we? Okay, where they ate bread and they had too much, so much left over, right? Uh, and this is, this is actually on a smaller scale, you know, here with Elisha, um, because Jesus took five loaves and two fishes, right? And he fed 5,000 people. And another time he took, uh, what was it, uh, seven loaves, I think it was, and he, he fed 4,000 people, okay? And again, there was, there was food to spare. Remember, they took up baskets and they went up and picked up the, the leftovers, Okay. And, that, and, you know, by the way, that's a picture of salvation, you know, by, by, the, by the way. He, you know, His grace abounds. It never runs out. Where sin abounds, you know, you know, the Bible says that grace did much more abound. There's plenty of bread to go around and bread to spare, okay? And we see this picture with Elisha, and this is the kind of thing you only see with Elisha, these, these kind of miracles happening, okay? Um, also, another one in 2 Kings chapter 5 there, um, you have Elisha healing a leper. Okay, look at 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. It says, uh, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Um, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by, by companies and had brought away cat, uh, captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Uh, and she said unto her mistress, would God, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Okay, now think about this again. You have Naaman, who is a Syrian. Okay, he's a Gentile, right? Um, just, like, just like Rahab, just like Ruth that we've studied about. Okay, and he, he needs to be healed, right? And it just so happens that he has a maid from Israel that's living with him, right? Who tells him about this prophet who can heal him, Okay. And, of course, that was, you know, that was the whole purpose of Israel uh, was to be a light to the world and to, and to point the, the, the world, the Gentiles, to a Savior as well. So Elisha tells Naaman to go wash in the Jordan seven times to heal his leprosy, right, and, and be healed. Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 8, go to Matthew chapter 8 with me. And remember, Naaman was a, was a Gentile. He was a Gentile captain of, this, of the Syrian army. He was a captain of the host of the Syrian army, okay? Where have we seen that before? Go to Matthew chapter 8. And in the, in the first four verses there, he, you know, he, heals, he heals a leper, another leper, and he says, don't tell anybody. 
And then when you get to verse 5, it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Okay, again, a, a Gentile army officer, right? A Roman. Okay, verse 6, And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Uh, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Uh, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Okay. So again, we see a picture of Elisha, of the Gentiles, coming to Jesus from all over. Okay. It said that they, you know, they, they uh, verse 11, if you keep going, it says that many shall come from the east and the west and, and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, So, that, so we see, you see Gentiles from all over, <coughs> excuse me, from all over coming, coming to Jesus. Okay, And that's what we saw with Elisha. You have this, wrong, this uh, Syrian officer, Naaman, that comes to him for healing. Okay, um, And, and note, notice the, uh, you know, the, the, the method of his cleansing. You know, how... how how simple it was, you know. <clears throat> you know, Naaman, Naaman got mad. You know, you know what? You know, he said, "What do you mean? Uh, you know, I, I have to. You know, I had to wash. Um, I had to wash in uh, in the Jordan. You know, what do you? You know, and that's what we hear today. You know, what? What do you mean? All I have to do is believe. Okay. Um, and it sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, Naaman. Naaman basically wanted to show. You know, he wanted to see something great happen. Um, sounds, and it sounds like you know, a lot of the preachers today, Elijah just said, just go and wash and you'll be clean. You know, it's simple. Uh, and, and not in water, you know, either. Not, not, not being baptized in water. That's, that doesn't save you. You know, John, John said in, in Revelation 1, verse 5, he said, unto him that, it, uh, that, that, that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Okay, that's the picture here with Naaman. Um, that, that, anyway, as he gets washed in the Jordan seven times, the number seven pictures Jesus, okay? He's the Sabbath. He's the, he's the Sabbath rest is Jesus. That's, that's all that number seven refers to there. It's literally pointing forward to Jesus, that number seven, telling him to wash seven times. But, you know, it was simple too. You know, it was simple for Naaman to get cleansed. You know, time and time again in Scripture, the only condition for salvation is to believe. That's it, okay? And that's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. That's what all the apostles said. They all agree that, that we just believe. Um, but when we say that, you know, what the Bible says to be cleansed of our sin, what do people do? They get mad. Okay, that's what Naaman did. He got mad. He, he said he was wroth. Um, look, at, look, at, um, look at 2 Kings chapter 5 there, if you're still there. Uh, look at verse 11. Uh, it says, but, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, this, uh, his God, and strike his hand over the place. And recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away. Uh, he turned and went away in a rage. So he's basically saying, you know, this is a ridiculous way to be cleansed of my leprosy. Okay, that's what he's saying. You know, it shouldn't be that way. It should be this way. You know, that's what he's saying. It should be harder, right? Um, so, you know, the Jordan was right there. Remember, he came to Israel. He came to Elisha to be healed, and the Jordan was right there. It's right there at him, okay? Why not just do what he said, you know? Um, no, he said, I, I want to make it harder, basically. Why? 
You know, why? That's what people do with salvation. You know, and like he said in verse 12, you know, he had these other rivers, these other rivers, these greater rivers that he could have jumped into to be, to be cleansed. Um, you know, a better way to be saved, you know. It's like, you know, today people want to be saved in the river of repenting of all your sins or turning from all your sins. But that's not, that's not, the, that's not the prescription that God gave to be saved. Um, even if his servants rebuked him, look at verse 13. It said, And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, would that, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when, when he saith to, to thee, Wash and be clean. Okay? You know, it's that, that old saying we got, you know, keep it simple, stupid. You know? Uh, yes, foolish. You know, he, he's, he's not asking you to do some great thing. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. You know, our, our salvation is a foolish thing to most people just to believe, to believe on Christ. Um, and, you know, most people won't accept a simple cure for their sin problem. They think it's too easy just to believe. But if you're dying of leprosy, who cares what the cure is, right? Um, why, why do you want to make it hard? Just, just believe, okay? Verse 14 says, then, he went, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh bec- uh, came again like to the flesh of a little child, and he was clean, okay? And again, that's the picture of salvation, you know? We're given a new man. The old, the old, the old man, the old flesh is, is separated from the new man. We still have the flesh, but it's separated, um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're made white as snow, just like a little child, like it says there, okay? Mm-hmm. Salvation is, is a simple childlike faith, and that's what we're shown in picture here in type throughout the Old Testament, okay? And, 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 and then, you know, we're told that very thing in, in, the, in the New Testament, okay? So Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. It's as simple as, as what, what, a lot, you know, what he told Naaman to do. Just, just wash yourself. You're cleansed. Okay, that's, 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 our, that's our salvation. Okay? So these are very clear, obvious pictures of Jesus pictured by Elisha in the Old Testament. Uh, not only that, but go to, go, go to you're still there, Second um, Kings chapter 5, uh, because right after he heals this Gentile, Naaman, um, he has a disciple, a servant, who does something that you're, you're going to immediately recognize this when you see it, okay? Naaman, Naaman, um, Naaman offers to give Elisha a reward here for, for cleansing him, right? Um, a blessing, basically, for, for healing him. And Elisha says in, in verse uh, 16 there, uh, but he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused, okay? He would not take payment for his cleansing, right? His healing, okay? And that's a picture of free grace right there, okay? You can't earn it. You can't pay it back. You can't pay for it. You can't, say, you can't stop sinning. You, know, you can't make God a promise to say, God, if you save me, I'll stop all my sinning, because you don't, okay? That's, that's what it's a picture of there. So Elisha took nothing. Jesus takes nothing. He did it all, okay? But it says in verse 20, skip down, it says, But, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman, the Syrian, and not receiving at his hands that which he brought, but as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So, you know, this Gehazi, this is a very underhanded thing he does here, and that will remind you of somebody in the New Testament. Gehazi runs ahead and he gets Naaman to give him, well, basically he pretends that, that he's getting it for somebody else, right? He's, he's like, we got these two guys and they need something. 
So he gets two bags of silver. This is in verse 22. Um, he, he gets two bags of silver and two changes of garments. And it, and it says that he hides them away, right? And of course, Elisha knows about it. He's a prophet, right? I mean, how dumb can you get? And Gehazi is cursed. He curses Gehazi with leprosy, okay? Now, with that in mind, go to John chapter 12 real quick. He's a thief, okay? Go to John chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Uh, then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, uh, and, he, and had the bag and bare what was put therein. So again, this Gehazi that we read about, um, Elisha's disciple, is a clear picture of Judas Iscariot. Okay? Judas, who was a thief, as well, okay? So again, it's a clear picture of Judas in the Old Testament who was cursed, okay? Gehazi was cursed with leprosy and, and Judas was cursed, okay? And he, they both met, met a bad end, right? Um, so, okay, that's another one. Now go to, go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. Go forward a little bit. 2 Kings chapter 13. I've got to hurry up here. We're out of time. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. And this is what we're going to save the best for last year. 2 Kings chapter 13. It's a really neat picture. Really cool story to you. Um, because this is a miracle that Elisha basically performed after he was dead. You know? And you'll see the picture of Jesus here in a minute if you, if you don't already know. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. Let's see. Uh, verse 20. It said, Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood and stood upon his feet. That's a crazy thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah, they just so there's got this band of Moabites, like we gotta, you know, they didn't want to just leave him there unburied. They just toss him in there, and he as soon as he hits the bones of Elijah, he just pops back to life. Okay. Uh, now thinking about this, you know how this relates to Jesus. You know, it brings a certain story to remembrance. You know, if you know your New Testament at all, go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And look at verse 11. So it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, uh, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, okay, the only, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And, and when he came and touched the bier, and they, and they that, that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother, okay? So just like Elisha, you know, Jesus touched this man's coffin just like that man touched Elijah, Elisha's bones and came back to life. He just touched him, 
and he comes to life. Okay, but this is again, this is when Jesus was still alive. Okay, Elisha was dead, right? When that when that man touched his bones and he came back to life, and this is a picture of the fact that that he brought a lot more people back from the dead after he died, right? Than he ever did while he was living. You know, just like that miracle that happened with Elisha, that was the most impressive miracle that he performed, and he performed it, you know, that was performed through him. So just like Christ's death brings us life, you know, his dying and resurrecting is how we get to heaven. Um, that's what makes us alive, to live, okay? Um, after, after Lazarus died in John chapter 11, you know, Jesus said to his sister Martha, he said, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. Okay, so you see the picture there with Elisha. That, that, that dead man touched his bone, and, and immediately he sprang back to life. Okay, and, and, and the same thing for us. is The moment you put your faith in Christ, you believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, in that instant, you, you, you spring to life. Okay, you're born again. Okay, so that's where we see Jesus in this, in this final miracle of Elisha. His death, his, his finished work on the cross, dying for our sins, buried and rose the third day, his death is what gives us life when we put our faith in Him. And again, some amazing pictures of, of, uh, in 2 Kings of Jesus, pictured by Elisha, and showing how simple salvation is through Jesus Christ. Any questions or comments? Amazing things in the Old Testament. I love it. I love it. All right, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word, for bringing us here today as we study about Your Son Jesus in the Old Testament. Lord, we're uh, just so thankful that you made salvation so simple as we read, even in the Old Testament, how simple it was, Lord, to just simply believe on Jesus Christ. Realize you're a sinner. That, that, that Just like Naaman, he, he had leprosy, Lord. We're all lepers in the sense that we're sinners, and uh, we, we have an incurable disease called sin. And if we'll just simply look to your son, Jesus, put our faith in his finished work, how he bled on, on the cross, shed his precious blood, uh, died and was buried and rose on the third day, we put our faith in him. In Him alone, we'll, we'll be saved just as we are, Lord. We're so thankful for that. Uh, thankful that for this day as we come together. And pray that you'll uh, be with Pastor Bear as he, as he brings a message today and all of our teachers. And just bless the time that we have today, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.